and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about eating disorders. And if you want to follow along with written notes on this topic, you can follow along at zerodefinals.com slash eating disorders or in the CAM section of the Zero to Finals pediatrics book. So let's get straight into it. Eating disorders stem from an unhealthy and distorted obsession with body image and food. There's a strong correlation with personality disorders, obsessive compulsive disorder, anxiety and other mental health disorders. Eating disorders are more common in girls but they can affect boys as well. There seems to be a genetic component to the condition as it may run in families. Firstly let's talk about anorexia nervosa. In patients with anorexia nervosa, the person feels they're overweight despite evidence of normal or low body weight. The person suffering with anorexia nervosa will obsessively restrict calorie intake with the intention of losing weight. Often the person exercises excessively and may use diet pills or laxatives to restrict absorption of food as well. So what are the features of anorexia nervosa? Well, patients may struggle with excessive weight loss, amenorrhea or no periods, lanugo hair which is fine soft hair across most of the body, hypokalemia or a low potassium level, hypotension or low blood pressure, hypothermia or a low body temperature, changes in mood including anxiety and depression, and solitude. Cardiac complications include arrhythmias, cardiac atrophy or wasting of the heart muscle, and sudden cardiac death. Next let's talk about bulimia nervosa. Unlike with anorexia, people who have bulimia often have a normal body weight. Their body weight tends to fluctuate. The condition involves binge eating followed by purging, which is induced vomiting or taking laxatives to prevent the calories from being absorbed. Key features of bulimia nervosa to remember are alkalosis, which is due to vomiting hydrochloric acid from the stomach and losing the acid that way, hypokalemia or a low potassium level, erosion of the teeth due to the stomach acid coming up through the mouth, swollen salivary glands, mouth ulcers, gastroesophageal reflux and irritation, and calluses on the knuckles where they've been scraping across the teeth when they induce vomiting. And this is called Russell's sign. A tom tip, there's some unique examination findings in patients who have bulimia, which makes it a popular spot diagnosis in exams. Look out for the teenage girl with a normal body weight that presents with swelling to the face or under the jaw due to the swollen salivary glands, calluses on the knuckles and alkalosis on a blood gas. The presenting complaint may be abdominal pain or reflux. Next, let's talk about binge eating disorder. Binge eating disorder is characterized by episodes where the person excessively overeats, often as an expression of underlying psychological distress. This is not a restrictive condition like anorexia or bulimia, and patients are likely to be overweight. Binges may involve a planned binge involving binge foods, eating very quickly, the binges are unrelated to whether the patient is hungry or not, they become uncomfortably full after a binge, and they may describe eating in a dazed state. 
let's talk about management of eating disorders. Patient and carer or parent education is key to the condition. Management is centred around challenging behaviours and addressing environmental factors. And this may involve self-help resources, counselling, cognitive behavioural therapy or CBT, and addressing other areas of life such as relationships and past experiences. Severe cases, particularly of anorexia, may need admission for observed refeeding and monitoring for refeeding syndrome, which we'll talk about a bit more shortly. SSRI medications may be used in some circumstances by a specialist in child and adolescent mental health. So let's talk more about refeeding syndrome. Refeeding syndrome occurs in patients that have been in a severe nutritional deficit for an extended period when they then resume feeding. Patients are at higher risk if they have a BMI below 20 and have had little to eat for the past five days. The lower the BMI and the longer the period of malnutrition, the higher the risk. Metabolism in the cells and the organs dramatically slows during prolonged periods of malnutrition. As the starved cells start to process glucose, fats and proteins again, they use up magnesium, potassium and phosphorus. This means refeeding after a prolonged period of fasting or malnutrition can lead to hypomagnesemia, hypokalemia and hypophosphatemia. These patients are at risk of cardiac arrhythmias, heart failure and fluid overload. Management will be according to the local protocol and done under specialist supervision and it will involve slowly reintroducing food with restricted calories at first, close monitoring of magnesium, potassium, phosphate and glucose along with other routine bloods, fluid balance monitoring, ECG monitoring may be required in severe cases and supplementation with electrolytes and vitamins, particularly B vitamins and thiamine. So thanks for listening to this episode on eating disorders. A big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast. You can find written notes on all the podcast episodes in the Zero to Finals books, which are available on Amazon as a Kindle version or a paperback. And you can also find full audiobook versions of the Zero to Finals books on Audible. You can find notes, videos, illustrations and questions completely free on the Zero to Finals website at zerotofinals.com. And I hope you tune in for the next episode, which will be on personality disorders.